Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hi, this is Doug. This is the Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. And uh, right now we're recording from Michigan, not where we're from. I'm here, as always, with Steve McVeigh from the Dirt Roads Network in Kansas, Lamont, the bristling, bustling mecca of Lamont, Kansas. 28 people. 28 Woo. busy people, though. <laughs> and then people Ma- of action. And then Michael, who will... Who is the uh, the small town USA vineyard guy, and he is from Chippewa? Yeah, you no Chippewa, right. Chippewa you Falls, right. Chippewa Falls. So uh, that's where he's from, and uh, we're here to be with you. I'm excited because we're going to talk today in continuation of of ways we're redefining. Given the fact that we're called as missionaries now in rural communities in a post Christian society, how does that change? what we're doing, and it doesn't change the names, the titles, the words, but it does uh, redefine them. Today, we're going to talk about being the scorecard holder, Mike, the scorecard holder. But before we do that, I was just thinking about scorecards. I used to coach high school basketball, Mm. and one of the interesting parts was, you know, they keep scoring sports. I don't know if you're aware of that or Mm. not. And it also shows that you're a good rural pastor because good rural pastors are involved in the community in some way. So there's a little side lesson, right? Well, it leads to some interesting conversations. Absolutely. Um, And then my kids played high school sports later, and this is a horrible story I'm going to share. Okay. So I was... A decent parent. I'm going to, this is my confession. I'm, I'm at confession here. I'm sharing my repentance moment. And uh, one of the coaches, who was a, a friend of mine that I've been trying to reach for Jesus, decided to switch his offense one year. Okay. And it's hard to reach people for Jesus when you don't like what they're doing offensively in a basketball floor. I want to say it's the most <laughs> difficult thing to do. And uh, that'll be a separate podcast. That will the, be a se- you know, separate podcast. The type of offense you run as a basketball so, coach. So I was sitting there trying not to become upset. And a dear friend of mine, who I've been also trying to reach for Jesus, looked at me and said, I'm leaving the game. And this is an hour and a half from our house, from our home. And and he left and he stood in his car because his wife waited there because he was an old basketball coach. And the game got done. And I said I'd meet him for pizza at this little local restaurant after this was a Friday night game. And I got about a half hour home. And he called me and said, where are you? I'm at the restaurant. I said, how are you at the restaurant? Oh, I didn't speed. I didn't speed. And I said, okay. So I got there another hour later, and his wife looked at me, shaking, and said, we went 95 miles an hour. But he's not upset over the game, Michael. She said, how are you? Well, (laughs) I didn't speed, but let's just say I ran to my car. 
And the reason I tell that story is scores can matter to people. Okay. And scores can be confusing. It's not as funny as you think it is. But the scores can matter to people. And you end up randomly getting upset over things that are really outside your control. Yeah. Although we did a nice, had a nice piece of meal where we thought if they would just listen to him and I, we could solve the team's problems. And I think so often when it comes to scorecards, if they would just listen to me, I could have a better scorecard. I could look better. We could win. Win. That's what scorecards are about, isn't it? It's winning. about winning. And so for for me, in my in my setting as someone in the denomination, a mm-hmm. denomination, and I am not the lead pastor anymore, so I am not going to have to do this next month. But our our conference year ends at the end of uh, May, and so what we have to do is fill out a statistical report. AKA the scorecard. And here's what I'm asked about. I'm asked about butts. How many butts in Sunday school? How many butts in morning worship? How many butts are being discipled? How many butts <laughs> how many butts are in my community? That's a lot of that, butts, Steve. That I'm telling yeah. you, it's in and hopefully the bigger your butts, the better off you are. Then <laughs> then then budgets. Budgets is next. Yep. And so how much money's coming in? How much money are we giving to missions? How much, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then the last thing they ask is about buildings. And so mm-hmm. we call it the three B's. You know, how how you know what is the value of your building? All that kind of stuff. Those can be scorecards that drive everything. And I would say that those are the scorecard numbers that we're trying to shift away. Those are the old scorecard numbers that determine how we win. If I'm going to be a missionary, Michael, if I'm called to be a missionary, not a person who measures butts, budgets, and buildings, where do we go with that? What does the scorecard holder put out in front of the congregation as a win. Well, You've been listening to Steve McVeigh with his oh three butts of ministry. The three butts. Ding, ding, ding. Three butts of ministry. Steve McVeigh is afraid to say anything on this you know, podcast I, I, anymore. I'm just going to say it was a lot of button there. Um, I golf, and I used to keep score. And we used to take a mulligan every hole because that's what, how bad we were. If you know what a mulligan is, it means you tee off, you screw up, and you get to re-tee, and it doesn't count on your yeah. score. So eventually, I just quit keeping score and just kept score of that hole. And how this relates to church is this way. We realized that the game became more enjoyable when I understood that I was taking it down in hunks, when I understood what I should actually matter in that point. What we measure does matter. But we've gone for such raw numbers philosophy. We've gone to an idea that this number at this point matters the most. Now, every number is a person. I get that. Everybody's a human. I said the money in the, the buildings. Yeah. But what if we, we talked about transformation and influence for a second? The um, Barnett did some research, and they said that the average healthy church in America, which I think are more urban areas, they said had 1% influence on their city. Now, not their... That doesn't mean coming to your church. Mm-hmm. That means an influence. So if you're a town of, if you're a city of a million, you have, you affected ten thousand people through events, outreaches for Christ, whatever you did. Here's I the, went to seminary. I didn't take math. Okay, I didn't. I'll know. trust you. Trust me. I did teach math. I, I can still count yet today, which does help. We do keep track of the attendance, but my point being about this influence thing is, what if we start taking that as our scorecard? What if we started measuring influence? instead of raw numbers. What if we said, all right, and by the way, the real pastor, you don't get off of 1%. You don't even no get way. off of 10%. I want to challenge you to get to at least 25 to 50%. And, and, and the big thing about this is our influence means this. 
when you're asking, well, what does influence mean? Well, influence means you've interacted with them and you've shared Christ. You've, you've either did it through an outreach, you've shared the gospel in some way, you've discipled someone that maybe didn't even up in your church. By the way, that's okay. You lead someone to Christ and they choose a different church and they're getting discipled there. That's your win as much as theirs. And we miss that. We miss that we're on the same team sometimes. The second thing about influence is this. It becomes a value added to your community. And when you become a value added to your community, when you can value add to your community for the kingdom of God, isn't that way more important than I had 45 people or 48 people? I love pastors and math. Uh, pastors have a different math, especially church planners. I'll ask them what their church is, and they'll say this. You know, if everybody came, we'd be a church of this. I, if you haven't heard that, you're really not pastoring. You're not a real pastor if you haven't actually used that language because that's how I test pastors. The reality is they're not every there on a Sunday. But what is your influence in their lives? How are you discipling them? How are you moving them along in their journey? And if they don't know Christ, how are you influencing your community for that? We have seen more people come to Christ, not because we had interest in giving to our church, but we had interest in them coming to Jesus so they knew the reality of the risen Lord. This is me speaking into this, and I'm not being doubtful, but I want to push on this. So it sounded like you were saying, datify your effect. You know, Steve will tell you that I bristle at the new word that everybody uses. It's not new, but it's metric. We need a metric. We need to know how that, how can I measure that? Um, on our board meeting, we well, talked about datafying. How do I, it's a well, word we made up. And I'm like, all right, how do you effectively give a 1%, 15%, 5%, well, 2%? How do you measure that? No, yeah, so, so, yeah that's, so, and, so here's how I measure that. I yeah. measure it through story. And you're going to laugh at me. So, okay, I keep score for one golf hole. I keep score. Here's what I mean by that. Did I birdie? Did I par it? Did I bogey it? Did I double bogey it? And after that, I don't care because if I'm at 9, 10, 11, 12. And, and, and why does that matter? Let me explain why that matters. If I know that I've interacted with these people, I can have a, an, an idea of my influence percentage-wise in, in an estimated way. Like this isn't like, I, I think we're caught once again at hard numbers and I'm not asking for hard numbers. What okay. I'm recommending is to start to looking around and say, I, I've influenced Johnny's family, okay? That's one more family I've influenced outside my church community. And what, how do I know this? I'll tell you the story right now. I did a funeral um, last Saturday. None of them go to my church. I did the mom's, I did the dad's funeral led him to the Lord. He died a week later and their mother passed, who was a Christian. And they said, Hey, we, you know, can you, you did funeral for dad. I, he said, we know you don't have that story, but can you interact? That's influence. Now, how do I judge that in percentage wise? I'm like, all right, I know there's a network there and I can estimate my percentage in a small town. Okay. No, not big Lamont, but good gravy. If there's 30 people and you can't count to 30, but if you're a town of 1,000 or 2,000, you should be at least in the, like, I've affected this community where I've had people come to my event and they've heard the gospel. And so you know that, and you know that they're coming back and reconnecting with you. Yeah, and so part of the scorecard, part of what you are resisting, Doug, okay, sure, is the judgment that comes with that. Because like when, when I fill out a statistical report, there's somebody up above me somewhere determining whether or not I'm a good pastor. Effective or not effective. Yeah, right. and so that's where I reject those numbers. But really, when you're talking about the scorecard and what do you measure, what you're really talking about is how do I, how, what do I view as a success? That another person came to church on Sunday morning or that I influenced someone in the community. That's what you're saying when it comes to measurement. Exactly, and, here, and here's what that means then. If, if we go off the old scorecard, 
I'm going to tell you who I know is the worst church planter that ever walked the face of the earth, according to American numbers. You want to know who it is? It's Jesus himself. At Sunday school, the answer is always Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus because here's why. <laughs> I was thinking squirrel. Squirrel. You usually think squirrel. I thought you were thinking raccoon. He just tried to kill a raccoon recently, so I just assumed that. Yes. Um, but at the cross, Jesus had three people. Three. You need to remember that. And then at the ascension, the resurrected Jesus didn't even have 200 people. Now, in the American church, we'd say, you know, Jesus, that was a good try. Um, thank you for your effort. We'll take it from here. Let me give you the ways. Not that you don't want to grow your church. Not that you don't want a healthy church. You're measuring health is what I'm saying over that. By the way, I know health by certain metrics. I get on the scale. It tells me if, I'm, mm. if I should or shouldn't be. I take my blood pressure. We were having a good podcast. We and now, were, now I went and now Michael's going down this road. And I'm going to go this road. Pass me those fries. Yeah, yes, right please. Yeah. And, and so I, I say those things for the, rea- for the reality that I just want to stress that we, you start measuring health in a different way. And health starts begins of influence. And if it doesn't, in a real context, and you're going raw numbers, and that urban church or that mega church down the road, who is in a, as a regional church, says, well, look at us, come you know, do this, you're not going to understand your true what call, calling of Christ. Yep. And so the first thing that we're saying is, is that we, can, we hold the scorecard by determining what is measured. The second thing is what is celebrated. We, you celebrate a victory. So you control the scorecard as a pastor by what you celebrate in your local church. Right. And so what's a victory? It's obedience versus results. So we're happy when we have a couple hundred people show up for an event. We're happy when things happen. We, we, we count salvations and baptisms in our church. We count those things. In fact, by the way, baptisms and salvations mean more to us than a Sunday attendance in our church. In my church, it does. Okay, so I'm going to push on this again. When I think about the person who holds the scorecard, I even think think uh, back to vision, and I think somebody has to hold us to the scorecard and the way we score it. As a pastor, I I do have that, especially a rural pastor, I have the obligation of holding the scorecard and saying, we are actually keeping score on the right holes at the right time in the same way, or else we go way offline and... I have a couple good stories that make me feel good about the way we're ministering, but we're not. But so here's the deal. That's where your values and vision and mission. There's an assumption made in the scorecard. So if you haven't heard what Doug Rutledge did on vision, um, the last podcast, go back and listen to that. Because here's the deal. If you don't have that figured out, you're not measuring health. So we look at our values this way. Everything comes through in our church through the value metric. And I went to this so we get the celebration. But we, so we have five values in our church. And if it's not matching those five values, and you can celebrate, by the way, you can celebrate something that's, you can have a good number and celebrate something that's off your scorecard mm-hmm. that isn't helpful, right? right? Like, so like, I've had people say, well, that was a really good event. And I'm like, we're never, ever doing that again. <laughs> and they go, really? I'm like, yeah, right. it didn't match our, it didn't match yeah. our values. Sort of like VBS. I mean, I had 500 people yeah, at VBS right. where the parents needed free babysitting and not a single one of those families is going to be discipled. Exactly. Now, that doesn't have to be the case, but that's an example. That's, that's an example. That So you look at our values and you say to ourselves across the board, we call it the matrix in our mm-hmm. church. If you remember the old matrix movies, we call it the matrix. Are you in the matrix or are you out of the matrix? Have you taken the red or blue pill? That's actually a conversation we have in our church. If you're a geek, you'll appreciate that. That is when you can start to celebrate different things. So if you start to celebrate results versus obedience because you want to celebrate obedience first right and here's the deal because 
you are called to do this and you should be doing what God has called you to do. You should be doing your vision. If you don't have your vision, go back and listen to that podcast. But if you're not obedient and you use results as a way not to be obedient, and I've seen this and I've seen it time and time again, trying to take a shortcut over the long road of obedience of Christ, you got a problem. So we celebrate things that people don't celebrate normally. We say we celebrate things that would be deemed failure as much as we celebrate deems obedience success if we would done it through our value system. So if someone shares Christ and it doesn't go as well as they want, or in a disciple-making process there's a mistake made, and not an intentional way, but you know, things happen. We actually, if you're obedient to Christ in it, we want you to continue to do it. Because if we don't do that, the average person in the church doesn't feel empowered to, to, to do the stuff you're calling them to do. Yep. One of the challenges then that we're addressing is with the scorecard concept, the scorecard can become the goal. Yeah. So true. the goal is to win. So the goal is to, so any right. number that can be quantified, as long as I hit that number, I can be ineffective, but I hit that number. Exactly. And that's one of the challenges that a pastor has because, in my opinion, and I, I'm, before we end this podcast, I'm going to bring this up and maybe we'll even do another podcast on it. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, if I need to win, a scorecard isn't going to be as effective because I'm going to do whatever I can to make that scorecard look good rather than be effective. Well, and, and that's and that's what we're talking about. I use the word health instead of effective. It's the same. We, I think in our definition, in our, in our movement, we use health instead of effectiveness because it's a, it's a nice buzzword right now. But in reality, we how effective are we? And so the big thing that I would say is it comes down to what you're prioritizing. It's coming down to priority because if you don't know what you're prioritizing first, which is the values, which is... What, what are you seeing as a mission missionary? We've talked about mission field in these podcasts. If you don't see that right, then you're, then you're not moving towards the right direction. So values are a couple of things. You, you have to value basically community. So what I mean by community is not like relationship. I mean, you value your town you live in. You're broken hearted for your vision. So if you're prioritizing your community over everything else, right. you're prioritizing the the uh, the cost of, of selling out for the gospel, which is my, our big thing in our church, mm-hmm. and you're selling out to make disciples, which we usually use the word mentoring because it works better in our church. If you're not doing those things, if we're not measuring those things in a really reflective way, because here's my question. We don't ask you... I mean, I've seen big treasures. I don't ever ask a real pastor. My first question is never how many comes on a Sunday. That's never my first question. It's never my second question. It's never my third question. Is that my fourth? We get there, by the way. We do land there when I coach rural pastors. But I ask certain questions of like, how many disciples are you seeing being made? That's why baptisms matter to me. How many are coming to Christ? Because by the way, here's the cop out of the American church that we don't talk about. We don't talk about the fact that you have to lead someone to Christ to disciple them. You can try to disciple them before they know Jesus. I've seen that. Okay, fine. It doesn't work very well. But we need to have those conversations. Like I think the metrics that I'm trying to get at is, it's hard if you're, you don't want to fake salvations. You don't want to fake discipleship, right? Those are numbers you can't play with. And by the way, when you do those things, healthy things grow. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to your church. It's going to grow one say, shape, or form because you're focused on those things and you're prioritizing a different thing. And by the way, when a missionary comes back from Zimbabwe or Tanzania or Nicaragua or Brazil, you know what? We don't ask them how many people have come to their meeting or events. That's not the common question we ask. We're asking for gospel share. We're asking for discipleship share. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we're saying here is that the scorecard is to help set priorities 
It isn't to make me look like a winner. Exactly. So like with baptisms, and then we need to wrap this up, but like with baptisms, that's a great metric. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, people need to be baptized. But I, as a pastor, this is an internal deal, and I think this is why we need to just throw in a, a podcast after this. If I need to impress you, and someone comes to my church that's been to another church, and I'm just telling you, I've seen this, okay? Baptisms can be like, it can be a mixed bag. Right. So you you come back to Christ, and I baptize you when normally I wouldn't because I'm counting baptisms. You were baptized before, but let's rebaptize you to just reaffirm your faith. That's where the scorecard can go askew. Exactly, and I'm and that's what I'm trying to get rid of. I'm, in fact, I'm going to tell you what I did with golf again. I'm going to go right back to golf to kind of kind of get this to an ending point. I quit grabbing a scorecard when I golfed, and he, and here's why. This sounds so dumb. I could I knew my score anyways, because if I was keeping birdie, par, double bogey, I could tell if I was five over, three over. I used to be a pretty good golfer. I'm not much anymore. And I realized I was so driven by the scorecard that I wasn't enjoying the game. I was missing the whole point of my next shot because I was so locked on this this thing to try to win. I remember I'm an old basketball coach. I like to win, guys. So I had to like learn to humbly of this. And I have become a better golfer. I have become a way better golfer. My, my buddies golf me. They keep the scorecard for me now. They're like, cool. Like you've improved by like seven strokes for the last two years. I'm like, I have. I'm like, I just quit keeping score. I'm measuring different things. And that's my point. You're going to need some type of measurement. You need some type of scorecard. We all do. We need because you need some type of evaluation. I just tell you that you're focused on things comparatively. And the thing that about scorecards are different is you're trying to compare the church next door, the church down the road. You're trying to compare to the next city. And if you stop doing that and have your and you play within your hole and your scorecard, you don't need to impress anybody then. Yeah. And and by the way, we don't we celebrate salvations, we celebrate baptisms, and we count baptisms that are like first time baptisms. By the way, um, we celebrate as a church community, but that rest that scorecard. We're not posting to the world to say, look how great we are. That's our internal metrics to know what's going on. And I think that's different for pastors. And that's where we're going to get into the next stuff where I think we're going to talk about the next podcast about how we view things and our value. But, but when it comes down to understanding vision, when it comes to understanding identity in Christ, when it comes down to those things, then your scorecard looks different. And I'm going to tell you the problem that I see over and over in the and I'm going to critique the American church. I love the American church. I'm an American. I go to church here in America. I'm a pastor in American church. We have we have done ourselves a little bit of a disservice of of trying to take a models that really weren't designed for church and tried to apply it to church yeah, business models. Business models. Here's what we're saying: is that if you if you have a vision, you've got to make sure that you measure the stuff that are attached to your vision. So you're looking at what do you measure? What do you celebrate? What do you prioritize? That is your scorecard. So, And your next step is to write one out. So here's the deal. That's your next step. Write it out. Um, we, we wrote it out. We have a scorecard. I could show you on our five values how we, we measure that. If you need a resource for that, and then also we're not trying to push things, but if you need a resource, I'm sure all three of us have some type of scorecard that we use. It's okay. And it's okay, by the way, to get a B once in a while and a C once in a while as you transition in process. But you need that to evaluate for yourself and, and, and for Jesus. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today on Dirt Roads Podcast, the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. Write it down. That's what we've said the last two times. Write down what you're going to measure to keep yourself on focus. And join us next time. Guys, If I'm just going to like 
insert a different podcast next. Next time I want to just, pastors, as we've been talking about this, there can be some internal stuff going on here that I want to address. We've used, anyway, just come back next time and, and let's talk about the internal workings of vision and scorecards and all of those types of things. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.